In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. With the upcoming election this week, and the year of 2020 getting more bizarre and challenging by the day for you, I'd like to consider with you this morning what happens after this. What life looks like after this election. What happens after this pandemic. Where everything is heading after all of this is behind us. And it's my hope that you will find comfort in what will happen in the days ahead of you, despite all that might surround you today. We look to the letter of the Revelation from the Apostle John. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, John writes, After this, which immediately begs the question, after what? What's the this that John is referring to? And to know that, you have to read what precedes Revelation 7. We have to look at Revelation chapter 6, and you'll see what the this is for John. Because in Revelation 6, John describes a vision of watching the Lamb seated on his throne and opening up a scroll with seven seals. And when the first seal is opened, John sees a white horse appear with a rider armed with a mighty bow. And John sees this horseman conquering the land. Now we're reading Revelation. This is apocalyptic prophecy, which is a genre of, of, of writing, of literature, that invokes plenty of symbols. It's littered with symbolism. If you read Revelation literally, you're going to end up in a very weird place theologically. This is apocalyptic prophecy. So it's going to be filled with all sorts of different colors and animals and numbers, and you have to read it symbolically. For instance, the writer carries a bow. That might possibly symbolize for us that the conquering that this writer does is by military strength, a bow. And the color of the horse is white, which might symbolize for us that the conquering that this writer does is he will claim that it's brought about by none other than the authority and the majesty of God himself. But John certainly, as the one seeing this vision, isn't fooled by the first horseman. The horseman's white robe isn't white by the blood of the lamb, as we will soon see. It's white like a wolf in sheep's clothing. The white's nothing but a facade, a cover-up. This is a horse of judgment. And the rider is conquering by tyrannical rule and war and bloodshed, enslaving people by false religious claims coupled with military strength and might, and is setting the scene for the onslaught of the second horseman. Because after this, John sees a second seal, a second horse, a second horseman. This one's bright red, and he wields a sword, and he steals peace from every single person on the earth. A natural result of tyrannical rule. No one can live in peace when enslaved by tyranny. And the red might symbolize bloodshed, 
the consequence of a people who have no peace anymore and are only ruled by unjust rulers. And indeed, John sees the earth beginning to run red with the blood of slayed humans. So John's seen all this bloodshed and the tyrannical ruling. And after this, a third seal, a third horse, a third horseman. This one's black. He holds a scale in his hands, shouts obscene prices for scarce goods. Scarcity is left behind from the tyranny and the bloodshed of the first horses. Now an entire day's wage isn't even enough to buy a loaf of bread. There's high inflationary prices, which will lead to famine and death, the color of black. Because after this, another horse appears, the fourth horseman, and the rider's name is Death. And hell follows him. And left lying in his tracks are a fourth of the earth, killed by sword, or famine, disease, pestilence, and wild beasts. That's what after this is for John. In a single moment in time, John sees a vision of all the judgments of the four horsemen unfurled upon the earth with relentless pounding, and the entire earth ravaged and the wrath of God being poured out upon it. Then he sees the saints under the altar ask, when the fifth seal is opened, how long, O Lord? He writes, when the Lamb opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. And they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? But the Lamb doesn't answer them. He simply tells them to rest a bit longer, and he covers them with their white robes. And the judgments continue. Because after this, the Lamb then opens the sixth seal of the scroll. And all that John had previously seen now pales in comparison to what lays before his eyes. The sun turns to black. The stars fall from the heavens. The sky vanishes like a scroll being rolled up. The mountains fall. The earth begins to quake. And now everyone is running and panicking. The kings of the earth the mighty, powerful armies and their conquering might, they're all now scurrying like little ants. And John sees the few who remain, both the free and the enslaved, the rich and the poor, the powerful and the weak, every man, woman, and child. They're running for shelter underground, trying to hide themselves in caves because John even hears their faint cries under the rubble. They're, they're crying out, hide, hide, hide from the face of him who is seated on the throne. Hide from the wrath of the Lamb. Hide, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? That's what after this is for John. A terrifying, bone-chilling, holy fear had gripped his heart. He saw the end of the world rolled up like a scroll, and he saw all the slain and the enslaved and all the blood outpoured of millions and millions of people throughout all of history. He saw every disease and all affliction and all terror and all hopelessness and despair. He sees the brokenness of this world, sin, death, and the power of the evil one. Just like you, 
when you see a loved one enslaved to a ruthless, tyrannical dictator of drugs or alcohol or mental illness, when you see the pain of a loved one in deep hurt, when you see the heart of your child crushed, when you look upon the dark hole of an empty grave and the wooden casket hovering over it in the stillness, John sees death too, and so much more. He sees the 1,800 parishioners that Pastor Nikolai buries in the period of three months when the Great Plague wipes through his town in Europe. He sees the millions and millions of Jews slaughtered by the tyrannical rule of Adolf Hitler in Germany. He sees sin and the real consequences of it in death. After this, after all the tyranny, chaos, scarcity, disease, death, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. After all the bloodshed, enslavement, pain, and suffering, after this, John sees the Lamb of God, who was slain, yet who has begun his reign, risen from the dead, holy and righteous is he, and sitting upon his throne. The place where everything is going. One way or another, we all end up at the eternal throne of the Lamb. All of history marches that way, whether it knows it or not. The church marches that way joyfully, and your life and the life of your family is all heading to that place after this. What happens after this election? What happens after this pandemic? What happens after this sin and darkness and disease? What happens after the tears don't flow anymore because you've cried everything out that you have? What happens after the darkness deepens even more? What happens after the grave itself swallows us up? You will look upon the Lamb, Jesus Christ your Savior, sitting on his glorious throne. You will see the Lamb, the one whom John cried, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You will see the lamb, and he will shelter you with his, with his presence. No more judgment, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more want. You will see the lamb, and he will guide you to springs of living water. No more scarcity, 
no more thirst, no more hunger. You will see the Lamb, and He will wipe away every tear from your face. No more pain or sorrow. For all the former things will have passed away. You don't know what this week will bring, and I know many of us are anxious about the results of the upcoming election. But you don't know what will come of our country in the days and months ahead after this week. You don't know what even will happen today, let alone a year from today. But you do know this, that the Lamb will be on his throne, and your eyes will see it on the great and glorious day that is coming soon. And therefore, you have assurance, certainty from God our Father. You know exactly what happens after this, where everything is heading one way or another, where by God's promise made to you in the waters of baptism, after this you will, like John, look and see the Lamb who died for you and whose red blood was poured out for the forgiveness of all of your sins. You will see the Lamb who has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity for your good. And you will see the great multitude of the church, his holy bride, gathered around him, clothed in the white robes of their baptism. Martin Luther once asserted that if a physician came to his town claiming to have a medicine that would heal every disease, or a vaccine that would prevent you from all ailments, or a miracle drug that could rid all anxiety and depression and give a human true and everlasting peace, then the whole world would rush without a moment's hesitation to, re- to receive such powerful medicine, such a powerful vaccine, and they would be willing to spend their entire fortune to have it, and all for earthly healing. Yet here our dear Lord Jesus comes among us freely with an eternal and saving balm that heals both body and soul in his precious promise of holy baptism, where in the water combined with his powerful word, our Lord gives his cure over all sin, death, and the devil, where he gives, by his grace, power over the grave itself, and a white robe that covers us in his very righteousness and perfection, where he gives the comfort of the Holy Spirit in our lives and pours the Spirit into our hearts that gives a peace that surpasses all understanding, where our Lord gives life eternal with him in the spiritual blessings of heaven itself, and all this he freely gives at no cost to you or anyone. Indeed, it's all accomplished and all granted by God's grace on account of Jesus Christ's righteousness, his death, and resurrection alone. And yet the world thinks very little of such a physician and his immortal medicine. But we don't. Again, the words of Luther. Thus, we regard baptism and put it to use in such a way that we may draw strength and comfort from it when our sins or conscience oppress us and say, I'm baptized. And if I've been baptized, then I have the promise that I shall be saved 
and have eternal life, both in soul and body, and no greater jewel, therefore, can adorn our body and soul than that of baptism. For through it we become completely holy and blessed, where no other kind of life and no work on earth can acquire. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 2, that in him you were circumcised, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, Baptism now saves you. And the Apostle John sees it all come to fruition. When he sees all the baptized, the church clothed in white robes, along with all the saints, all the angels, all the archangels of God, and all the company of heaven, finding their place granted to them in baptism around a lamb sitting on his throne. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.